Good morning. Court Radio is now in session. Call 215-227-2727. When you've got legal questions, we've got the answers. This is Court Radio. And now here's your host, Dean Weitzman. Good morning and welcome back. I'm Dean Weitzman, your host. Court Radio is here every Saturday morning on 100.3 WRMB. Yes. Yes. I don't know. I can't hear you. Um, But we're here every morning, every Saturday morning, 9 to 10 a.m. for your legal edification. Sit back, relax. You know what to do. If you've got a legal issue today probably a good day to give us a call 215-227-2727 the number for all things legal in philly and i am joined we're going to get right started quick i am joined in the studio with two fabulous guests we have diana cortez good morning diana good morning diana needs a mic thank you and she is of course the city solicitor we're going to be talking about some litigation that's just starting to get moving in the city that I think is really going to be interesting for our listeners. And sitting to the left of Diana, who has joined us also from the law department, Renee Garcia, welcome. Good morning, Dean. Renee is chair of the litigation group. Um, what is chair of the litigation? Everybody knows what the city solicitor is. She <laughs> represents everybody in the city. Well, don't be surprised, Dean. There's still some people out there who don't know. Represents everybody in the city on the civil side of things. Um, what's the chair of the litigation group do? Yeah, in short, I sit on Diana's executive team, and I oversee all of the litigation. So there are about 130 people, attorneys, and staff that work on our litigation in the city. I see. So when I sue the city for one of my clients... Um, you guys get eyes on that sometimes? Depending on how significant the suit is, I would I would see it, yes. Okay. All right. Well, I just want to make sure somebody's looking a- after me because I can be, you know, a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> a little. Um, we always look in the best interest of the city altogether. There you go. And often that results in a settlement for my clients of a significant value. But if it's in the best interest of the city and it works for my clients, then that's the proper thing to do. Absolutely. But we're not going to talk about that. We're, we're, we got off on a tangent. What we're really going to talk about are ghost guns. And, um, it, I, okay, first of all, let's define what a ghost gun is. Um, either one of you? Sure. So ghost guns are firearms that are privately manufactured and they're home assembled. And um, the real problem with them, well, there's several, but they're untraceable because they do not have any serial numbers attached to them. So... I can get in the mail a box with pieces in it that I can, with an instruction sheet even, that I can assemble these pieces and actually have a workable gun that could kill someone? Yes, and you can easily assemble that in 15 minutes. And you not only get instructions, but there's also YouTube videos. So it's a, it's, they're basically putting your hands together and putting together this privately manufactured firearm. Any rules or regulations out there that would make that illegal, that would prevent people from sending me that box of pieces? So, Dean, our lawsuit, our lawsuit puts out there that these um, ghost gun kits are actually firearms as defined by the PA, um, by our Pennsylvania laws. So right now our Pennsylvania laws define a firearm 
as any type of weapon that can easily expel a projectile. Um, so right now what we are arguing in this case is that these privately manufactured gun kits are, def are defined as uh, firearms under the statute. So therefore, they need to follow the laws as required by all these different gun dealers, which means you should be following and um, completing background checks. You should make sure that you're actually age, the age of 18, which is what you're required to be, at least in, the, in Pennsylvania, to have a firearm. And you have to make sure that you have no criminal record, no prohibited criminal offenses that would prohibit you from having a firearm. Right now, none of that is happening. These, um, these ghost gun manufacturers are skirting and violating those laws. Okay, so you're bringing them to the bar of the court. First off, let's find out, is it a state court action or a yes. federal court action? state court action. Okay. Can it be removed to federal court, do you think? No. All right. So we have a state court action. Um, so that's going to arise under the laws of Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania has laws that define what a gun is and what, requ what requirements, once it is a gun, you must follow as the seller of a gun. The city's arguing that this is a gun and these folks are not following the rules. These guns that are being sold are being sold by the people who manufacture the parts? So Polymer 80, yes, is one of those. And JSD Supply is primarily a distributor, but I also think in part, um, part partly a manufacturer. As well. How long has this case been brewing? I mean, how, how long has it been since you, you filed the action? We filed on July 5th. Wow. All right. So not long at all. Um, I, and I, I would assume you've not yet done any discovery. We haven't. We did not engage in any pre-complaint discovery of those two particular defendants, Polymer 80 and JSD Supply. We did do extensive research um, to put together this 70-plus page, very detailed complaint. Um, so we did do our due diligence and our homework in large part thanks to Renee Garcia here and her strong litigation team and um, our outside counsel and Giffords Law Center that also helped us put together this complaint. Has anybody, has any of the defendants filed any motions to strike the complaint to, um, that, that there was, you know, arguing that there is no basis for this complaint? Not yet. As you know, Dean, it's pretty, pretty early since we just filed on July 5th. We did, um, I think, effectuate service uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So it's are still very early Are these companies in on. Philly? Are these, where are they? So JSD Supply is in Pennsylvania, and I believe Polymer 80 is in Nevada. That's correct. Okay. Um, wow. Uh, it's yeah. a no-brainer for me. Go ahead. Um, I watched From Here to Eternity. Forrest Gump last night. There's a scene where guys are putting together their rifles. I have a handgun, license to carry. I can take my gun apart, I put it back together, blindfold. If I take my gun apart, now it's in pieces. If I put it in separate boxes and mail it to somebody, similar to what they're doing. If you put it up back together, it is a gun. Wow, you make it so, like, you know, of course it should be illegal. Well, that's what, why you pay me the big bucks, dude. Yeah, I mean, you know. It's still a gun, though. Right. It, it, it's just in pieces. I, anybody at home right now with a handgun, you can all take it apart. Take it apart, put it in three or four different boxes, and mail it to yourself. When it comes in the mail, you put it back together, it is a gun. So, right? your opinion. Well, so, just a little distinction here, and um, if Renee will correct me if I'm misspeaking here, but... 
our particular lawsuit focuses on the ghost gun kits because there's this is a very I think um, new space. So there's the parts that are sold separately, kind of like toys. Unfortunately, they're sold separately, yeah. and that's those are separate regulations. And we actually have a separate litigation on that where um, Council Member Johnson passed an ordinance, and that was challenged. We prevailed in the Court of Common Pleas, and rights now it's on appeal. So that's separate as to the parts themselves, the 3D aspect of it. This here focuses just on the ghost gun kits, basically right. not just the parts, but putting all of the parts together, well, putting that together. So you have just to put it together sure. to make the gun yourself, correct? Correct. What's the litigation with the uh, hair dye, the hair waxer? It's not. Uh, until you mix the two chemicals together, it's not hydrogen soda, sodium hydrochloride, right? It's well, the same thing. You're putting pieces together to make a whole, right? Yeah, I get it. And and yeah, I, and so I, for me, it's a gun. It's 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 no. It's just a no-brainer to me. Yeah, I, I think that they found a niche. I a, right, and I think nuance. that's and that's the thing. I think we. How do we define can, a gun? Correct. Yeah. And within the confines of the current laws and statutes, and in a way that we can make. A significant difference now because as you know philadelphia needs that difference is it a gun when yes, it's a today. whole or just to some of its parts what makes what do we, we have to define what a gun is is that where we are well that's the thing and that's where I, we rely on this particular lawsuit what is um we go base we go back to the laws of pennsylvania what uh-huh. is how is a firearm defined and it's basically a weapon that can expel a projectile so right here what and we have see. is that ghost gun kit, because so, I think then they'll argue, well, the parts, the fact that you got me this one part right. in and of itself, you're not readily converting it to expel a projectile. And that's what these ghost gun kits are. You can readily convert them to expel a projectile. That's the sole purpose of them, right? That's the only reason you're getting you don't, it. Right? You don't have to convince me. I'm just telling well, you yeah, that yeah. this is what we're anticipating. So yeah. we yeah, I, have I, to I, basically think of what the other side is going to say and make sure that it is you know, a viable path forward. It just sounds like we're selling you a gun in parts and pieces and you just put it together and that's it. And we're not liable for anything else because we're just selling well, it. And pieces. you could actually... And, th- and the instructions. Th- 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 this could get to the point where you have 27 manufacturers and every one of them only sends you a single part. Ooh. And then you have to order the 27 parts from different manufacturers like who have no connection to one another. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, you know, so at, I can see where at some point um, you're only getting a trigger, you know. And, Stop. Well, listen, that's going to be the argument. That's going to that's going to be one of the arguments that I think we can expect to be seen. When you send all of the parts in a box with an instruction sheet, it seems easy to say, that's a gun. That is a gun because you've given me everything I need in one fell swoop. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know. That can get so pricey if you're buying all these different pieces. Well, we hope that we can make it. manufacturing a different part. Right. And, and, that, and I guess it, how that's. How you make money? That's the, that's the key is can we make it so cumbersome mm-hmm. for the people who want to try to make a buck on the deaths of innocent people in the city of Philadelphia, can we make it so cumbersome that it's not worth it to, for them to do? Um, I, be, I, I think you are going to be successful. I do, too. I do. I, I, I think because he's your juror. He's the average man in Philadelphia, and he sees that box of parts as a gun. That's why I got it in the first place, right? Yeah. That's the purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. There's a second lawsuit brewing, Renee. 
you're taking the lead on this. Um, this is not about ghost guns. What is it? It's related to ghost guns in that it's another way for people to avoid background checks and get firearms, right? So we're focused on straw purchasing, and we have sued three gun shops. Two are in Philadelphia, one's in Bucks County. And we are alleging that they are transacting straw purchase, straw purchasing um, transactions to then people who are not supposed to own firearms. So someone goes into a store, they're a sham buyer, they purchase the gun, and they immediately pass it off to someone else. Often that person is a felon or a minor or someone else who's not supposed to have a gun in their hands. Tertiary sales. Is that what you call that? One gun a month, we tried this with, and a long time ago in the administration, far, far away, we tried the one gun a month uh, lawsuit, and we would straw purchase, tertiary sales, secondhand mm-hmm. sales. Oh, my God. It was, uh, it was a battle. And we, I got an earful of what the other side is bringing then, so I can only imagine now. And All there right. are a number of states surrounding us now, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, who have the one gun a month mm-hmm. rule, and they tried to pass it here in the, in the house, and it died. Yeah. That's, that's, that's always the problem. Right. The three gun shops are Frank's Gun Shop, Delia's Delia's Gun Shop in Northeast Philly, and Tanner's Sports Center in Jamison, Bucks County. Those three gun shops, you're alleging, engage in these straw sales where they knowingly sell a gun to a party who they know will then transfer it to an illegal recipient. Correct. How is it that you believe they know that? How? Uh, if you look at the allegations in our complaint, it's really obvious. It really is. So you have someone come in on one day and they buy four handguns in cash. The same person comes back the next day and they buy four more handguns in cash. Right. So you're talking about multi-weapon purchases in cash there's other fact scenarios where somebody two people come in one person is directing the other person on what to do that person leaves and then there's a purchase they walk out and they hand the gun over to somebody else right these gun shops are trained by the atf they receive training on the red flags of straw purchasing and so we have in our complaint all of these little charts where you can see it's the same person buying the same guns over and over and over again Yep. Um, been there. Yeah. What, you've been purchasing guns for people? No, I've seen it firsthand when we were, again, going after the one gun a month thing. Um, we would watch folks come out of the parking, go in the parking lots and sell the same guns they bought inside to people in the parking lot. So we'd watch them have two or three people go in and buy a gun and give it to somebody else. I mean, but you'll these folks, the Second Amendment mafia and others will swear <laughs> that this will any law will affect legal gun purchases. But they, these folks were buying the guns legally. So and then they're say, selling them secondhand. They've committed a crime. We couldn't convince well, people that they, they were committing knew a crime. Well, if they when they were purchasing the gun that they weren't purchasing it for themselves, I would argue they weren't purchasing it legally. But they'll tell you they'll argue, but they were still legal gun orders, subject gun, gun purchases subject to the Second Amendment rights. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Two one five two two seven twenty seven twenty seven. We're talking about. Ways and means to reduce gun violence in the city of Philadelphia. And I want to know what our listeners think and whether you think any of this is going to matter. Um, You know, is this, is there no solution to the gun epidemic? 
is there no solution to the mass killings uh, around the country that are different than every other country in the world? I mean, guns are more readily available in America than anywhere else, and we have more deaths from guns. And if you can't see that connection, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, um, in places where guns are impossible to come by, um, there's very few gun deaths. And um, here, the, where we, we claim to be the safest country in the world because we have ready readily available access to guns, we're not. Um, mass shootings are uh, so common that you don't even hear them in the news anymore. Hmm. Um, so uh, I, I wonder um, how we kind of put the genie back in the bottle in, in this regard. And I would, I, I, I would argue we have to start somewhere, and mm-hmm. perhaps this is, this is the start. Um, and it's so unusual for Pennsylvania to be at the forefront of anything. So, Especially you know, regarding guns. When, 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 when I was in law school and you were you know, studying uh, new, new things, like new concepts in the law, it, Pennsylvania was never at the top of that list. Uh, I mean, it, it might have been New Jersey, actually. It might have been you know, wherever, Michigan, but it was never Pennsylvania. We are followers, not leaders. It wasn't always that way, though, especially with Philadelphia. We were the most progressive city in the state, and the World's Fair was here. Then it changed. <laughs> it just, going back to the 1800s. You got to go that far back, I know, but my God. <laughs> my God. Yeah, I know. Ben we were, Franklin we used, used to, be to live special. here. <laughs> um, so have you guys gotten calls from other places in the country once these suits were filed to like ask you about it and like you know all, all of a sudden Pennsylvania is a leader in something mm. Philadelphia is a leader in something have people reached out to you yes I think Renee can go into yes specific yes, yes we have and we have actually a great network of solicitors throughout the country in different cities that are struggling with the same thing so we are often we see what other cities are doing and they say what we are doing and it's a constant feedback loop because mm-hmm. you've got to gang up, right? On on uh, Polymer 80, the more litigation to pressure them to change their ways, that's how things are going to change. And all, I, all you want them to, I mean, listen, if they put a serial number on it, if they checked people's uh, credentials, if they made sure they were of age, if they made sure they weren't felons, this lawsuit wouldn't happen. That's it's right. not the ghost gun per se. It's Correct. the fact that they're not, they're they're, not there's no checks or balances. Correct. And so with no checks or balances, it means that they are targeting people who should not have those guns. Yeah. And those are people who are going to go out likely to commit crimes or help facilitate crimes. 215-227-2727. Um, we have uh, the chair of the litigation department in the city of Philadelphia and the city solicitor ganging up on us about ghost <laughs> guns. So if you've got a question for them, now's the time to call George on line two. Eric. Oh, George. Yes, uh, and how y'all doing this morning? Welcome to uh, Court Radio. Listen, the whole thing is, is that if you got to change the law, you got to change the rules. Like Manny said earlier, you put it in five different packets, and then it's like when you go through the mail and get it, they send you this, 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 this. It's all in like, it's like all in different boxes. That's that's first of all, they they get through that. Second of all, they go to court 
they go to court, and you if you don't believe it, go into CJC, and you can see some of the state cases the same. They're lawyers, and I won't mention their names, but I have told many or many a times, just go there and look. The judge tells them, I hope that this off your office have already checked. One, they take the pen out of the gun. Two thing they do, they show a, doll, a gun from uh, five and below and say, what is the difference, Your Honor, in this and this? And they say, I know you're going to tell me, which the judge has heard it a thousand times. One, there's no serial number on it. Two, it's plastic. Three, there's no firing pin in either one of the guns. So as long as the firing pin is there, the law is saying that uh, it's not considered a gun. They say, and, and she says it each and every time, I keep telling you, if you don't like the way this is done, change the rules. Change the law. The law is saying this, 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 this. That's why most of them going to CJC. You ever notice when it's a crime, they leave the gun? That's how much respect and thought they got about it. Everything, when you make laws and rules, it pertains to law-abiding citizens. All the stuff they go out there, those people that were stupid enough with those gun stores to do what they did and the way they did it, they should lose their license and go to jail. That's how stupid they were to do it. Because you can go in, in, uh, in certain neighborhoods, go to a gun house, and buy any gun you want, just like like Camasimos used to have in the gun store down <laughs> right, there right. in South Philly. Yeah. They got more guns in those houses than they got in them stores. And ain't nothing you can do about it. She can tell you, the solicitor can tell you, it's nothing they can do about it. Sylvester Johnson was the only one that did anything about it. He would go in those places, take those guns, melt them down. Three or four years later, they go to court, and what do they say? Okay, where's the guns? Well, we meddled them down. Y'all, oh, ah. the judges make all this here. Well, you're going to pay pennies on a dollar for it. Le- realistically, you pay more in legal fees to try to get the guns back than it was worth. Now, ATF, none of the drug, inf- I mean, uh, yep. uh, ATF, DA's office, special gun, all these task force they got can't do nothing about gun, gun uh, ghost guns. But give them back. That's why they don't bust. Not one gun house you have heard of in this city got busted since Sylvester Johnson. That's how far they go back because they know they're going to get away with it. If you take their guns, you got to give them back. So, right? and they go George, lawyers, George, two dollars, George, lawyers. George of the jungle. <laughs> yeah, George. <laughs> take Watch a breath. <laughs> I, I, I want to just, I want to just comment. Listen, I hear absolute frustration in your voice. And in your arguments, absolute to the point where have you given up? Are you are you saying there's no solution? I mean, at least they're filing a lawsuit to bring these issues to court, to bring them to the forefront. And hopefully and sometimes you bring a lawsuit knowing that it become that it's going to become an appellate issue um, that there may have to be. Uh, the appellate courts may have to weigh in on this to change the law uh, or to clarify the law. And you'd go in. Uh, listen, I've got cases right now that I'm going to take to trial, even if they offer me a gazillion dollars because there's an appellate issue I want before the Supreme Court. And I think the court's ready to hear that issue. Um, so sometimes we have to use the courts to change the law. Um, or 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 codify it, or you know, a, to um, to bring it into clarity. And Dean, I'm glad you said that. And George, I'm glad that you mentioned that the laws have to change because this isn't the first law. These aren't the first two lawsuits the city of Philadelphia has filed under um, Jim Kenney to really push 
the issue of gun violence or try to put things together to prevent it or address it. We filed in October of 2020 a lawsuit against the state itself to change, to have the power back to change and make our own gun control laws at a local level. So we sued the Commonwealth and the different um, speakers of the House at the time and the, um, the leader of the Senate saying that the two firearm preemption statutes of Pennsylvania are unconstitutional. So we are challenging that right now. Uh, We lost at the Commonwealth Court, which is, as you know, the first level of the trial court that we have when you're suing the state. And on September 13th at 9 o'clock at City Hall, we have oral argument in front of the Supreme Court on that issue. See, that's what I'm talking about. And we have a progressive Supreme Court, um, one that I think... You know, when there is a way to make changes uh, constitutionally, we'll be receptive to make those changes. State Supreme Court. State Supreme oh, okay. Court. Yes. Um, and and so, you know, I I feel your pain, George, and I hear it. Um, and and I, I sometimes get in that head as well, like nothing's going to change because nothing ever changes. But... Um, as a society, I think we, we, we have to try to continue try. to press exactly. forward. Got to try. All right, George, thanks for being a participant today, and your comments are always on point and welcome. Thank you. Uh, Eric, line five, Lucene, Upper Darby. Oh, Lucene. Yes, I'm here. Hey, how are you, sir? I'm going wonderful. How about yourself? Excellent. Thank you for being a part of Court Radio today. Um, what's your question or comment? Yeah, my question has to do with, um, you know, uh, like I said, like some people, like for me, for example, I came from West Africa, for example, where um, majority of the citizens don't have right to bear arms. And like here, for example, in America here today, where... I see young people shooting each other every day, whether in school, whether in church, and all that. My question has to do with those gun manufacturers, those that produce those arms and ammunition. I didn't liable to some of those incidents that continues to occur in those different locations. There's lots of lawsuits um, that are being brought against gun manufacturers as we speak. Um and for that very purpose, to to try to find liability and responsibility on a civil side against the manufacturers, um, the causes of action are varied, and and I I don't have time to get into you know all of them today, but just like the ghost gun litigation, manufacturers of firearms, Smith and Wesson, and uh, you know folks like that are being sued. Um, civilly. Right, because if you get into their pockets, they pay attention. Well, that's the way of the world. I mean, that's why cars are safer today than they were 30 years ago. That's why we don't have, you know, uh, uh, Ford Pintos, um, you know. So, yes, you get into a a corporation's pocket um, and changes, safety changes are made. Um, And so... The, the quick answer is, yes, gun manufacturers can be sued. They are being sued, and, um, and they may be held responsible. Um, question whether you can be, if you, uh, Lucene, purchase a gun 
and then allow your gun to be used for a crime. Um, maybe you're not, you know, can, can we bring lawsuits against people who own guns because they don't have their guns locked up and safe and secured? Um, and that's going to be another area. Um, that, you know, that if you leave your gun laying out for any old person to grab and take with bullets um, and then they commit a crime, are you responsible for a part, partially responsible for that crime? So many areas of the law and there are, I'm sure, many, many lawsuits that are still pending and, and are being prosecuted. Um, we're going to wrap up in a few minutes. Um, what's next in 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 the case against the um the gun store owners how long has that lawsuit been pending just a few days (laughs) what yeah we just filed on tuesday so still wet yeah Yeah. so we're in process of affecting service obviously we'll go into discovery and try to get at because we 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 only have information from the public data right but we want to get in there and look at their records and see what is really going on? What is the breadth of the problem here from each of the stores so that we are better informed as we move towards injunctive relief and damages? Yeah. And what happens, folks, when you file a civil lawsuit, there's a period of, of discovery where you get an opportunity as the proponent of that lawsuit to serve questions and to request documents from the defendant. And the city hasn't even begun to do that, but they're going to get access to all of the uh, sales agreements and um, and and who bought what and when and how often and what was the method of payment and et cetera et cetera et cetera. So um, once the city has that information, uh, they'll be in a better position to determine um, what you know what outcome the case will bring um, and whether it will be successful. How successful will it be? What what damages the city um, can prove they have sustained, et cetera. So I wish you both the best of luck in, uh, in this litigation. You know, I have to ask um, whether, you know, whether this litigation will come to an end when the mayor, when the administration leaves office, or whether this litigation will move forward under the new administration. It will roll over. Well, I think if we can get a effective resolution within the next five months or so, we'll definitely take it um, in both cases. But I think if that's not the case, then it will likely go into the next administration. And whether they take it up or not is is still a question. Whether who will take it up or not. The new administration? I mean, that would be have to be a discussion between the new mayor and the solicitor in their office and then make a decision that way. But the charter pretty much gives it most authority, if not all authority, for lawsuits and legal decisions to the solicitor. Good. All right. And so it's good that the case got filed now um, before a new administration takes office because they're, you know, doing the things a new administration needs to do to get their feet on the ground and, and start moving in the direction they want to move. But this matter is moving forward on its own accord at this point, and I look forward to seeing the uh, the outcome of it. And um, the the folks can follow this case in the courts um, by the the court term and number or the the, the docket, docket entries. Um, what what is the name of the case? 
So the ghost gun case is City of Philadelphia versus, I think it's Polymer 80 and JSD Supply. I don't have the exact docket number on from it, but it's in the court of common pleas. Yeah, it's Polymer 80 Inc. period and JSD Supply. So if you folks are interested in and looking at... And then for the, go, the gun dealer lawsuit, Renee... Yeah, that first party named as a defendant is Tanner's. Tanner's is City the first. City first Tanner's. Okay. All right, folks. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in two minutes. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. When we say winning matters most, we mean it. My Philly Lawyer just helped secure an $80 million victory for a client suffering from a defective medical product. Whether it's a motor vehicle, workplace, or medical malpractice injury, My Philly Lawyer gets results. If you've been injured and want aggressive, thoughtful, thorough representation, call My Philly Lawyer first. Philly's legal champions, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I grew up here, went to school here, raised my kids here. I know Philly, and Philly knows me. I started My Philly Lawyer because if you've been injured, your lawyer matters, and choosing someone local matters. It matters to the insurance company, it matters to the jury, and most importantly, your lawyer matters when it comes to getting results. If you've been injured, call us now, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. Legal answers. Here's more court radio with your host, Dean Weitzman. Okay, welcome back. I'm Dean Weitzman, your host at Court Radio every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. You're here. Joined in the studio with the city solicitor and the chief. Litigator. Or chair, chair of the litigation group. Chair, not chief. Two chair. Latina girls, too. Um, Diana Cortez and Renee Garcia. Welcome back to the show. We're talking about ghost guns. Um, there's been litigation that the city has engaged in suing the manufacturers of the ghost gun kits um, that we've all heard about where people can get a gun mailed to them in parts that they can then assemble with an instruction sheet and have a workable firearm that can kill people. Um, and there's little to no, um, maybe I'll say no, there's no 
um, oversight with regard to the ghost gun manufacturers. They're sending these guns to felons. They're sending them to people who are under the age of 18. They're sending them to people that have uh, records. And so um, the city has decided to file a lawsuit against them and made the argument that the ghost guns, um, call it what you may, they're a firearm. And they should be uh, judged by the rules and laws of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania um, that dictates what you do with a firearm. It makes sense because, as Manuel has said, he could take his um, his pistol and break it down into multiple parts, put it in boxes and mail it to himself, put it back together again. He's got a gun. I mean, is that any different than, you know, um, parts made with a um, what are those uh, printers, 3D printers um, that are made from, you know, polymer and plastics uh, that. You put together, and uh, the purpose of it is to kill someone. So, no, I don't think there is a difference, and neither does the city, and they filed suit against the manufacturers of those parts. Um, Renee is here. Renee is suing, uh, on behalf of the city, uh, three uh, gun store owners who the city has argued um, are engaging in straw sales, which is sham sales, which is sales to party A who are legal, uh, who are able to purchase guns legally. Legal purchases. And then that party transfers, hands the gun to a felon. And um, these stores, it's alleged, knew or should have known that they were engaging in these straw sales um, and that the ultimate buyers were folks who were not able to buy the guns legally. Um, and as a result of that, they were selling oodles and oodles of guns and making a boatload of money doing it. And, uh, and the city says, enough. You know what you're doing, and you got to stop. Um, so we'll see how those those matters go. But we have callers on the line. And, folks, if you've got questions about this, the number's 215-227-2727. we got Carla on line one. Hi, Carla. Welcome to Court Radio. Hi. Good morning. How are you? Great. Hi, Carla. Okay. I have a question. Well, I don't actually have a question. I have a comment. And my comment is basically that if, unless Philadelphia, I believe, unless Philadelphia does like New York did years ago when they allowed New York and the boroughs around New York to, I guess, regulate their own gun laws, then nothing is going to change. Central Pennsylvania, they relish in their guns. They love their guns. I am a gun owner myself. I have several weapons. But at the end of the day, it's not being impacted like Philadelphia is. And I think some of it is racial motivation, why the laws have not changed. Because if this were occurring in any of the other 66 counties in Pennsylvania, which are predominantly white, then the laws probably would have changed. If, if people were being killed at the proportionate rate that they are in Philadelphia, the laws would have changed a long time ago. It's no different than the alleged opiate you know, crisis that is now a crisis and an epidemic, but years ago when black and brown people were doing pills and everything else, it was just, okay, well, it's just crackheads. They're ghetto. 
So I, I do think that there is a rate of racial motivation to it. Um, there's money in death. There's money in crime. There's money in prison. So the guns perpetuate that. Why take away the money maker? So your original statement was nothing's going to change unless the city carves out a, a special rules for the city that wouldn't impact the other 67 counties. Yes? New York did it. New York yeah. did it years ago, and they cleaned up their gun laws. You know, their their uh, murder rates decreased significantly when they changed their gun laws and allowed um, Manhattan and the boroughs around Manhattan to change and regulate their own gun laws. Got it. So until Philadelphia is allowed to do that, then nothing's really going to change. Well, that's a, that's a question for the ladies. So... So, Carla, thank you so much for your comment and your concern. Um, and... You're absolutely right, which is why in October 2020, we filed a lawsuit along with 11 different individuals um, through Philadelphia, in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh who were personally impacted by gun violence. And we sued the state saying that their current firearm preemption laws, which is what is preventing us from passing common sense gun control laws. The city has definitely passed that. Those are on the books right now. I think we originally had a ban on purchasing more than, you know, a few firearms a month, uh, along with other types of gun control laws, a permit to, to buy one as well. And those were struck down by the courts because of these firearm preemption laws. So what we did was team up with uh, those individuals and we sued the state, um, the uh, then Speaker of the House, and then also the Senate leader and said that their firearm laws, firearm preemption laws were unconstitutional. And we got a very, we lost at the Commonwealth level, which is the trial court we were, we have to go to when we sue the state. And uh, we actually got two, I think, dissenting, a few dissenting opinions from that, that were very favorable in the sense that they said, look, we're asking the PA Supreme Court to re-examine the current case law in Pennsylvania, which is really in favor of these firearm preemption laws and really puts um, handcuffs or on us in trying to do anything. And so that argument is set for September 13th at 9 a.m. at City Hall. So if you are interested, I would definitely encourage you to appear. And also if you or anyone else out there is interested in these types of litigations or anything else, that the city law department does. This is some of the exciting work that we do. It's not just dealing with some of Dean's lawsuits, which he has told us he has sued some, but we do this very exciting and innovative work on behalf of this administration, on behalf of the people of Philadelphia. So definitely check us out. We're on LinkedIn. For now, we're trying to expand our social media profile, but right now we're on LinkedIn. So you can search for us, City of Philadelphia. Follow us. We will be posting... Um, some pictures from our session today on there, so definitely follow us, and um, we'll put updates regarding these three different really important and critical cases uh, for for the well-being of Philadelphia. But thank you for your call. I, I you know, I, the 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 good work that the city solicitor's office often engages in is is I think overlooked. Um, you know, absolutely, yeah. There are 
changes that happen in the city of Philadelphia because of the litigation that the city solicitor's office undertakes. Um, how long have you been the city solicitor? Since December of 2020. So you were really involved in the those cases that you're talking about that are coming up for appeal. That's kind of where you started. Yes. So right before that. And then there's another one where we uh, we brought the first civil prosecution under Lost and Stolen. Uh, we filed that a year prior to that in November 2019, and we won at the trial court level. We lost on the appeal. We sought um, Alicotter, which is permission for the Supreme Court to take up our case. And they told us to basically hold off. We're not going to decide whether we're going to take up your case or not until we decide what happens in Crawford. Um, because the appellate court in the lost and stolen case, which is City of Philadelphia versus Armstrong, they that Commonwealth Court basically the majority said we um, that gun control anything regarding guns was field preempted. So basically, anytime you touch or mention a firearm, it's preempted. We obviously think that's overbroad. And in that particular case, we had very um, a very strong dissenting opinion where that was the first plea to the Supreme Court. Look, you need to revisit Commonwealth versus Ortiz, which is the seminal case interpreting the firearm preemption laws that basically say anything touching a gun is preempted, which, again, we think is misinterpreted. So that was the first time you had these really conservative judges, one in particular, Judge Ledbetter, who was one of the original um, authors of an earlier firearm preemption case, pleading to the Supreme Court, you need to revisit this because what is going on in Philadelphia can no longer happen. She essentially said that, so you can check that out. Um, we'll, we'll post that on our LinkedIn page as well so you can follow us. This is exciting. And um, so we should see some, you know, we should see hopefully positive change in September when the Supreme Court, and going to the argument is, is interesting because you'll get to hear the questions that the uh, jurists ask and get a sense of where they're headed with their decision, which should come before the end of the year, um, and may be a, a reason why the new administration wants to continue in this vein because it's so important and it's moving in the right direction. Ladies, thank you so much for coming out today. Thank we, you for having us. Yes, this has been a treat. Thank you. We will uh, look forward to developments as they occur, and we'll definitely have you guys back to um, to talk about it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Folks, we're going to take a quick two-minute break, and I'll be back to answer your questions and have some discussion immediately after our sponsors have their way with you. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. 
When we say winning matters most, we mean it. My Philly lawyer just helped secure an $80 million victory for a client suffering from a defective medical product. Whether it's a motor vehicle, workplace, or medical malpractice injury, My Philly lawyer gets results. If you've been injured and want aggressive, thoughtful, thorough representation, call My Philly lawyer first. Philly's legal champions, 215-227-2727. My Philly lawyer, when winning matters most. I grew up here, went to school here, raised my kids here. I know Philly, and Philly knows me. I started My Philly Lawyer because if you've been injured, your lawyer matters, and choosing someone local matters. It matters to the insurance company, it matters to the jury, and most importantly, your lawyer matters when it comes to getting results. If you've been injured, call us now, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. Legal Answers. Here's more Court Radio with your host, Dean Weitzman. Whoa, 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 whoa. Dean, how did you fare in this hot weather this week? Uh, did you notice it was hot at all? <laughs> you know, it's so funny you should say that. What? I almost feel like I'm being set up. No, I'm just, no, I'm not. I just re a real question. Okay. Yeah, so I want to sue. It was hot, man. I want to sue FedEx for $31,000. Why? How come? <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> what the heck was that? <laughs> Thursday. Yeah. I'm, I'm at the Shore House. Right. And it's hot. Yeah. And about 1030 in the morning, the power goes out. And I keep the house like a meat locker. So I'm That's not. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Big Rocky guy hitting <laughs> slabs of beef. <laughs> so I'm not too concerned. But 1030 turns into 1130, and I start to see the thermometer in the house starting to tick up into a dangerous territory. <laughs> it's getting to 74. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, God. 74, 75, and I call the power company and say, well, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And they said, uh, well, a, a FedEx truck hit a power pole and knocked out the grid. And, I mean, knocked out the grid like New a Jersey. FedEx, wait, took out a grid? One truck <laughs> took out a grid. One truck took a grid. And so they, they, <clears throat> they, they said, uh, we'll, we'll text you when we're, power's coming back. So I get a text that uh, says power will be back on at 3 o'clock. At at about one thirty, one thirty, you know, the, the temperature's ticking up in the house. It's getting humid, and um, at one thirty, I call the electrician. I say, "Come over to the house. Uh, you know, I, I need an estimate for a generator." Oh. And so I never got service so fast. It was like ten minutes later. I get a call back. He said, "I'm on my way." 
The guy with the generator. Yeah. yeah. Okay. To give me a price. price. A right. price. So he comes with his clipboard and his pen, and he's, well, you've got two air conditioners. It's X amount of feet, and you've got this many windows. And and is that a refrigerator? you got two refrigerators? Okay. And he goes through all these calculations, and then he goes back. He says, I'm going to go back, and I'll, I'll email you the bill, the, the estimate. Mm-hmm. I, I get the estimate. It's 16 Gs for a generator. <sighs> But you'll never lose your power again, ever. ever. The rest of the world, when they're when you look out the window <laughs> and you see that you know the house is dark and you got lights, it's a great feeling. And air, yeah, and, and heat. Air. Yes. And, yeah. So okay, it's now one. It's now like three o'clock, and I and I get a text message that the power is going to come on at four. Wait, the power power. Yeah, my okay. power. Your gonna, power coming. at three thirty. I get a text that the power is going to come on at ten thirty. I go crazy. Um, I have to. I speed dial my host at at Hard Rock, and I said, "Get me a three bedroom suite. I'm coming down. I can't. The, it, the house is getting too hot. We got to get out of here." So I go to Hard Rock. Now between my losses at Hard Rock and the generator, it cost me thirty one thousand dollars. And that's why. <laughs> and that's why I'm suing FedEx. What in the Nakatomi Plaza? One. Truck took out a grid. And, yes, and cost me Are 30. the terrorists paying attention? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are they really paying attention? 215-227-2727. If you want to jump in on the conversation, now's the time. Ms. Sarah's going back to go get some calls. I just can say this about this hot weather. Uh, if, if the hot weather is any indication, a lot of you folks need to change your lives because you are not ready for hell. the complaints i heard about the line three robert (laughs) oh robert welcome to court radio hello how are you doing today um a little light now (laughs) a few less bucks but (laughs) (laughs) you're not sweating i guess yes i am not sweating (laughs) that's true (laughs) yeah yeah for the rest of your life, you're good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what besides no, Robert, besides me. laughing at me, what what else do you want to talk about? A few episodes, a few uh court radios ago, you had uh, a couple of state reps on and I think a councilman. We caught uh, talking about clean slate. And my question is, why are they ref- I shouldn't say refusing, but why are they leaving off simple assault? as a way to a gateway to plea or to expunge your record. Yeah, well, I'm not sure simple assault as that's defined is a bar. I will say that clean slate is um is a work in progress. And it started out where it was only applying to um uh, what is the, it's not even a misdemeanor, um, uh, summary offenses. It was summary offenses. Now it's some misdemeanors. They want to expand it eventually to felonies. Um, you know, if you have enough time, if you have 20 years or 25 years, even if you had a felony, there are certain felonies which should not prevent you from having a clean slate. 
And so, you know, and, and crimes committed, uh, you know, when you're 16 and 17 um, that are that that were that were felonies. But you're now 36 and haven't had a crime in 20 years and you're a productive member of society. You should be able to apply for clean slate. And so it, it is uh, a work in, in progress. And, and if the, the folks, the good folks who are supporting criminal justice reform had their way and they could convince um, the the folks who are not looking to allow anybody to have any opportunity, they'd have done it already. Um, so, you know, I, I think that um, I, I think that they're working within the bounds of the limitations they have with with the political scene as it is now. Um, but that they are looking forward to adding simple assault um, with enough time. I hope that answers your question, Robert. Yeah, thank you for uh, answering my question and, and, and entertaining it. But my issue is they always put it under the umbrella of a violent crime. Uh, it, a lot of people that I've talked to, and and I don't feel that a simple assault is a violent crime because you can get a simple assault and not even touch somebody. So that's why I feel that it's a gray area, and I think it should be. Yeah, important. but but okay. So the definition of simple assault is is big enough to encompass a an assault that doesn't include uh, a battery where you're actually striking somebody, but it can also include uh, a, a strike. So um, you know whether it's a violent crime. I think it's a violent crime. I, I mean, maybe I'm a baby about it, but I, I you know, I think it's a violent crime um, when you um, when you assault me. You know, I, I mean, listen, if if I'm sitting there minding my own business and you get up in my face and 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 use language and body language to make me feel unsafe or threatened, that's an assault. I mean, you know. Th- so I, I I get it. Um, we're not going to redefine what simple assault is, but I also agree a hundred percent with you that that should not be unto itself a bar to getting a clean slate. And so um, I'll give you that much. And and I do believe in um, having an opportunity to start fresh and have. Uh, you know, to have made amends for your bad behavior and an opportunity for a clean slate. Robert, thanks for being a part of Court Radio today, and have a great Saturday. Same as you. Thank you for allowing me on. Mm-hmm. Um, no? Okay. So um, my last thoughts for the day. Your last thoughts of the day. Yeah. Sixteen grand and comfortable. Sixteen grand. I Listen, I put one up in Berwyn. Mm. When I when we bought the house, mm. uh, because we were out of power for four days, understandable, and, and, and it was it was ugly. Um, I have never lost power since the day I spent the twelve grand to put that generator in Berwyn. Berwyn, right? Never lost power again, and never will. Because that salesman I spent, was correct. <laughs> I spent the money, and now it's like you know God laughing at me. <laughs> So do you feel better though that you did it? Yeah, looking back, it's like it's like a safety belt. Yeah, you know, you you know, you put the safety belt on. You hope you never have an accident. But it's insurance. It's insurance. It's insurance. Yeah, but I need to talk about milk for a second. Milk. I went to the supermarket. We're going back to this. No, listen, okay. this is insanity. What I, supermarket did you go to? Wait, listen. 
Uh, all right, Whole Foods. All right. Uh, all right. That's, that's the first problem, probably. Uh, uh, I'm in Whole Foods, and, and, and I, I'm in the milk aisle, and it... The it, dairy aisle. You call it the dairy aisle. I was just going for milk. And, and there was so much. <laughs> There's too much dairy. There, there was oat. There's almond. There's there's, there's soy, vanilla almond and there's soy. Yeah. Soy. Mm-hmm. There's whole milk. Lactate. Two percent, one percent. Skim milk. Yeah. And lactose free. Lactose free. Yeah. Right. yeah. And my wife doesn't. You know, she's born in another country, so English is her second language. She comes home with lactose-free milk all the time. And I keep saying to her, would you look at the box? It says, look at these words. She doesn't see that. She just sees milk, you know? And so I can't, I don't get too upset, but, like, I just dump the lactose-free milk out and go get, so that's what brought me to the milk aisle. <laughs> Folks, we're we're screwed up. Americans are screwed up. <laughs> we have... We have way too much money and way too much time on our hands. We just need one milk. Goat milk, okay? rice milk, hemp milk. Oh, my milk, God. Coconut we're, we're, milk, soy We're milk. out of time. We're out of time. Keep on saying milk, milk, milk. and Milk, milk does folks, the body good. We'll see you next, next Saturday, same time, same place.